You guys, uh, this, this theme of adopted, you've been hearing about it last night. You heard about it this morning in your uh, devotions, probably got brought up, maybe even cabin time last night. It is so amazing. Everybody look at me. It is so amazing that the God of heaven and earth who created the universe and says that he spans the universe with his hand, that he invites us to have a relationship with him where he is our father and we are his children. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And you guys, today what we're going to be looking at, if you are taking notes on the screen, you'll see the title, is we're looking at adopted, but specifically what we've been adopted from. And we see this in Romans 8, 15a. And when we, you know, attach a letter to a verse, that means that we're talking about the first half, the second half, if it's a B. But we're just talking about the first half of verse 15. And before we dive into all that the Lord has for us in his word this morning, why don't we pray together? God, we thank you that we are here. And we thank you that you're our father and that we are your children. God, in that we get to have this amazing relationship with you. God, I pray for these students. Maybe the concept of you being their father and us having that kind of relationship with you is foreign to them. And they don't quite understand that just yet. Lord, I pray that by the end of this camp, Lord, that through all the teachings, through all the time that we're spending in your word, Lord, that they would begin to understand what it means to be a child of God. And Lord, as we... Look into the things of your word this day. We pray that you would magnify your word in our hearts. God, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us attentiveness. Lord, that we would just really be locked in right now to what you want to say to us. Lord, you have something that you want to speak to us all today, and we want to be ready to receive that. So God, give us those hearts to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, those viral videos before of like where a dog, I'm just going to use dog as an example because I'm a dog person. Cats, yeah, happens with cats too, but we're going to just use dog as an example. Those viral videos of those dogs who come from an environment where they've been like chained to a post their whole life, they've been beaten, they've been, you know, they're, and that dog, when it gets to the animal shelter, I don't know if you guys have ever been to an animal shelter. Uh, but that dog is, you know, in a corner, scared, afraid, even shaking sometimes. And that the story will go on that this dog who was once abused, who was once, you know, lived this horrible life is adopted by this family, you could say, who then goes on to take care of it. Has anyone ever seen those videos? Yeah, they're the best, right? We love that. Or what about like stories where like, an actual human, like an actual, like an orphan, for example, who grows up in a, a fatherless, a motherless home, and they live in an orphanage or in the foster care system, and then there comes one day where a family chooses to adopt that boy or chooses to adopt that girl and gives them this beautiful life. We love stories like that, don't we? Don't we all love stories like that? Uh, before my wife and I got a dog, she wasn't much of a dog person just yet. Now that we got a dog, I'll send her videos like that of a dog, you know, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so emotional. You know, it's so funny because those stories, you guys, are such a beautiful picture of how God has adopted us. And what we're going to be looking at today, you guys, is how 
we were once walking in the spirit of bondage. We're going to see that in our text in just a moment. But we were once walking in the spirit of bondage, but now, if you are a part of the family of God, which you were invited to be a part of the family of God last night, and I hope that those of you who weren't sure or, you know, uh, you, you knew you weren't part of the family of God. I hope that you took that opportunity last, last night. And if you didn't, we're still here for you to help you with that. We want you to be a part of the family of God. But today, you guys, I want to look at like the, the life before we were adopted, how we used to live, how we used to be walking according to the spirit of bondage, but now how we have God, our father, who has adopted us, and we get to have this amazing relationship with him so let's look at our half of verse not even a full verse that we're going to be looking in today you guys you should be open to romans 8 by now i know i didn't verbally say open to romans 8 but hopefully you saw it on the screen that we're in romans 8 verse 15 and the little verse or part of the verse that we're going to be looking at today is for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear that's all we're looking at today you guys and here in Romans 8, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, he, introdu he introduces us to this spirit of bondage. Everybody say spirit of bondage. And in order for us to really appreciate the relationship that we get to have with God now, for us to really like understand the depth of that, we got to know where we came from. We got to know what this spirit of bondage that we no longer walk in what it was, and how we used to live in it. So the spirit of bondage, you guys, what is it? The spirit of bondage, this is the idea. It's the binding spirit of a slave that produces fear. A binding spirit, the binding spirit of a slave that produces fear. And it's the, the overall idea is it's the condition of a slave. Joseph there, he puts it like this. It's the slavish sense of fear that is produced by the thought of death and the law. And we'll talk about what those things mean shortly. But the idea, you can even just add this to your notes if you are taking notes, is you can write, just write the word shackle. You guys know what shackles are? Has anyone ever heard of what shackles are? Yeah, they're like these chains. Like handcuffs are like a uh, very like, uh, you know, small version of what shackles are. Shackles are like these huge things that you would have on your wrist, like these big heavy metal chains that you would be have your chains uh, your 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 hands chained together your feet chained together even sometimes and we before christ before god adopted us it's as though we were walking around with those shackles on our wrists with those shackles on our feet because we were walking in the spirit of bondage and remember the spirit of bondage we're going to talk about it a lot a good way for you to be reminded of that kind of as we're going through this is it's the condition of a slave. That's kind of just the, the simple way to think about it. So now that we've defined what the spirit of bondage is, you guys all tracking with what the spirit of bondage is so far? How we used to live, yeah, we're going to get into that. Uh, but just the overall idea of the spirit of bondage, you guys tracking? Yeah? All right, good. It's that, it's that shackled lifestyle that we used to live. But what were we shackled to? What, what, what are the things of the spirit of bondage that we learn in God's word? Number one, our first point, if you guys are taking notes, is death. And when we talk about death, 
in regards to the spirit of bondage, you guys, we're more specifically talking about the fear of death. Everybody say fear of death. So when we're talking about death, we are talking about the fear of death. And this is one of the elements, if you will, of what the spirit of bondage is. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys have had too many conversations with other people about, you know, the overall idea of death. But it's really interesting when you talk to people about death, the different kind of, you know, reactions that you'll get from people. Because death, you guys, it's not something that people love to talk about. Like, let's be honest, not everybody loves to talk about death. And non-believers especially don't like to talk about death. Because what the Bible teaches is that they are still in bondage to the fear of death. But death is a reality that all of us must one day face, right? Unless the rapture happens and Jesus takes us up. But death is something that every single person will face. I've heard it said before that the statistics on death are staggering. One out of every one person will die, right? And like we said, barring the exception of the rapture. You know, that is obviously when God raptures the generation of saints that, you know, in the pre-appointed time that Jesus will come back, they, those people will not die. But uh, we don't know when that is. We live in a way that we are ready for it to happen even right now, but we don't know when the day or the hour is. But death is a reality, you guys. And I've had a lot of conversations with people about death. I like to actually, like, uh, when you guys know what evangelism is, it's, it's the sharing of your faith, right? To share uh, you know, that Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to share that Jesus Christ died on the cross for, for our sins and that he rose again and that he made a way for us to go to heaven. And one of the ways I love to kind of get into that conversation with the person is I'll bring up death. I'll just ask them like, hey, I, my, my favorite way to do this is when I'm golfing, actually. I'll go golfing like in just a, a random Monday afternoon on my day off. And I'll get paired up with some, you know, random guy I've never met before that they'll just have us play together the whole round. And when you golf, it usually takes about four to five hours. So you're with that person for a good while. you got a lot of opportunities for a conversation. And so I'll usually just kind of casually ask the person, like, let's say the guy's name is Bob, all right? I'll say, hey, Bob, do you ever think about death? And that's, that's, this is when people start to get, you know, you can start to get some weird reactions at this point in time. But, you know, and they'll be like, well, I mean... Maybe sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily like to think about it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different, you know, depending on how the conversation goes, you take them to the gospel, you know, and really, regardless, you take them to the gospel. But you, th I remember this one time, you guys, I, I did just that. I was golfing with this one guy, and it happened to be on a good Friday that was, um, gosh, maybe like five years ago or so. I was golfing with this older guy. And he was a nice guy. He was a, we, him and I were actually getting along really well. Like, he was cool. I, you know, I was cool with him. And then I asked him, I have no idea what his name was, but let's say his name was Bob, I guess, you know. I, say, I said, hey, Bob, like, you ever think about what happens after you die? And he's like, whoa, uh, Tate, I don't, I, don't, I don't think about that, you know. Like, I don't want to think about that, right. And this guy went from being super cool with me to actually starting to get a little bit aggressive with me. Like the whole like rest of the golf round, like me and this guy, like I was trying to be nice to him and I'm trying to be kind and, you know, have this conversation. I'm not being mean to him, but he just like gets super agitated. Why? I want to ask you guys, why would a person be agitated when you bring up the idea of death? The answer is because 
they are walking in the fear of death. They're walking in the spirit of bondage. That verse on the screen, you guys, Hebrews 2, verse 14 through 15 says this. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, being Jesus, likewise shared in the same. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Who had the power of death? Well, let's keep reading. That is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. These are powerful verses here in Hebrews 2, you guys. And what we learn here in these powerful verses is that Jesus came and through his death on the cross, you guys, he defeated death. He defeated the devil. He defeated the fear of death. All those who live their life in fear of death no longer have to be walking in the fear of death. And how did Jesus defeat death ultimately? Because he died on the cross and now when you and I die, death is, is not a bad thing because we will be going to heaven if you are truly adopted, if you are truly a part of the family of God. Remember those shackles that I brought up, you guys? Those heavy chains, right? It's as though those shackles of the fear of death that we had on our wrists that Jesus came and he broke those shackles off of us. Is that making sense so far, you guys? So because we know Jesus, because we're in the family of God, we do not anymore fear death. Now, what I want to say about this, you guys, this is not to say like, we're weirdos who like, you know, are, are just like counting down the days until we die. Like, no, you know, we have rather what we do is we have the perspective of like what Paul the Apostle says in Philippians 1.21 is he says for me to live is Christ. That means, hey, if I'm going to live this life, I'm living for Jesus and I ain't holding back. I'm living 100% for Christ. But to die is gain, meaning to die is actually how one day you and I will get to go to heaven. You guys know you're not in heaven yet, right? And the ways that you're going to get to heaven is either through death or like we said, the rapture, right? We will enter into eternity at that point in time. It's as though something that we used to fear, you guys, the fear of death itself, now we don't see it that way anymore. Now we recognize, hey, death is actually, it's almost like the taxi that I will take one day to get into heaven, right? That Jesus bought the taxi for me. It's just like how I'm gonna get from A to B. A being here on this earth, B being in heaven. We're just gonna kind of step in that taxi and we're gonna wake up in eternity. So we don't fear death any longer, you guys, any longer. Uh, non-believers, you guys, I want you to, you don't necessarily have to write every word of this, but just jot the idea. Non-believers, those who are not a part of the family of God, They'll live their whole lives, you guys, in the fear of death, living in the spirit of bondage. But for the believer, it's as though God says to us, I've adopted you from that. Now, I don't know where all of you guys land, like if death is something, when you think about it, it's something you're scared of. But I want to encourage you today, if that's you that you don't need to continue to walk in that fear of death because the spirit of bondage is no longer how we walk. We no longer walk in the fear of death. And if you didn't get that full, uh, you know, 
sentence right there down. We can get it to you at a later date. Just leave a couple lines in your uh, notes because we're going to move on to our next verse, which is 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. I love this, you guys. I love this. It says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, death is defeated. Everyone say, death is defeated. Who defeated it? Jesus did on the cross when he made a way for you and I to go to heaven when we one day do die. Now, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, you know, this image popped in my, into my head this morning as I was kind of thinking about these verses. Um, has has any, anyone know who Muhammad Ali is? Muhammad Ali was this famous boxer, arguably the greatest boxer of all time. He was phenomenal. And there's this famous picture of Muhammad Ali where he is standing like this with his boxing glove over the opponent that he just knocked out. And I saw, uh, I think it was like Good Friday, maybe this past Good Friday, I saw this meme of instead of it being Muhammad Ali standing over a, an opponent, it was Jesus standing over this, this skeleton representing that Jesus defeated death when he died on the cross. And I love that. I think about that image often because it reminds me that I don't have to fear death because Jesus defeated it for me. Now, in verse 56, you guys look back to the screen. It says that the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the what? The law. And we're actually, our next two points, spoiler alert, are going to be the law and sin, what just got introduced in verse 56. So if you are taking notes, our second point, you guys, is the law. The law. the law. Now, it's important that we start this point about the law saying this, what Romans 7:12 says, that the law is holy and the commandment is just er, er, excuse me, and the commandment holy and just and good. You see, though the law is one of the parts of the spirit of bondage, what we need to recognize about the law is the law is and was a good thing. Some people want to throw out, you know, the law completely and say like, oh, like, you know, Christians, we shouldn't even read the Old Testament. We shouldn't even know about the Mosaic law. And I would say, you're crazy because Paul says that the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. And we must understand this about the law. How then is the law a part of the spirit of bondage? We're going to talk about that eventually, but I want to give you a brief kind of background of what the law is and when the law was given. If you guys aren't familiar with the Old Testament, uh, you know, the, the story kind of goes like this, that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, and then through Moses, God leads his people out of their bondage, out of their slavery, perfect imagery of what we're talking about today. But he leads them out, and while they're out in the wilderness, wandering the wilderness, uh, there is where there that God gives them the law. God gives them the law in the wilderness on Mount Sinai. God gives the law to Moses, and Moses then takes the law to the people. Are you guys familiar with what we're talking about when we say the law? 
We're talking about like back in the book of Exodus, the, the Ten Commandments, all the things that God had told the people, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to worship. These are the things I want you to do. These are the things I don't want you to do, right? And God, he gave the law to the Israelites for a few specific reasons. What were those reasons? One reason was to reveal who he was to them. God wanted to reveal, hey, I am this all-powerful God, but I want to reveal to you, Israel, parts of who I am. And he did that through the law. He also did this to set the nation of Israel apart from all the other nations. The law was given to the nation of Israel because they were called to be different, because they were God's special people, just like you and I are now a part of God's family Israel had that unique relationship with the Lord as well in the Old Testament, except it wasn't a family relationship. It was, you know, God being, uh, you know, supreme in their life. And, you know, he gives them this law. He says, I want you to know me through this. He gave them the, he gave them the law to let them know how he wanted them to live and how they're to worship him. But also, you guys, he gave the law. This is where we, you know, start to understand how it's part of the spirit of bondage is because he gave them the law to show them their sinfulness. He gave them the law to show them that they weren't actually able to fully keep it. And what happened, you guys, is, you know, in addition to giving them the law, God also says, okay, here's what you're going to do when you break the law. He gives them these, you know, instructions on how these sacrifices are to be performed and whatnot. But what happens over time, you guys, is the people, they begin to trust in the law as their means of salvation when it wasn't supposed to be that way. And by the time that Jesus comes on the scene, you guys, when you read in the gospel, that, or the gospels, I should say, uh, you know, his interactions with the Pharisees, you guys, you know, he is, he's going kind of back and forth and he's telling them like, you guys have this, this your understanding of the law is all messed up. Let me teach you about the, what the law is really about. And so their understanding had been twisted. The religious leaders, you guys, they had twisted and manipulated the law to where it was actually profiting them. And, you know, Jesus, he's like, you know, how you guys are going about this is all wrong. And they accuse Jesus. They call him a blasphemer. They say, you know, that he doesn't revere, he doesn't have fear of God or, you know, these things because of what he's saying about the law, but Jesus is actually teaching them of the true substance of the law, what the law was really about. And Jesus tells them that he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And so back to that question, you guys, if the law is good and if the law is holy, how can it possibly be one of the elements of the spirit of bondage? Because, you guys, those who choose to trust in it for their salvations for their salvation, excuse me, it's as though they shackle themselves to it when they are incapable of keeping all of its requirements. You see, the law was not given to save us, you guys, and to this day, it cannot save. Not because God gave a broken law, he didn't give something that was like partially messed up, that was unable, you know, to do what it was supposed to do, it's that the law was not intended to save us. Because we are all sinners who, we break the law. We're incapable of perfectly keeping it. Romans 3.20, jot down the reference, you guys, says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Everyone say, knowledge of sin. 
the law reveals to us our sin. We learn that we are sinners because God says, don't do this. And when we do it, oh yeah, I just sinned. I just broke the law. It reveals to us knowledge of sin. You see, the law, it brings knowledge of sin, but it cannot bring salvation of sin. Or from sin, I should say. You see, the law could not defeat sin. It could only detect it. It reveals to us our sinful ways. It was never supposed to be that the law was saved. It was supposed to reveal our sinfulness and our need for a savior. And this would all sound like a bunch of bad news if the story stopped there, right? Like, oh man, like everybody's sinners. The law does tell us how, how much sinners we really are. But the story doesn't stop there, you guys. God intervenes. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, you guys heard this verse last night, if you remember. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the, what? What does it say? The adoption as sons. What we're told here, you guys, is that Jesus was born under the requirements of the law. And the difference between him and us being born under the law is that he was able to perfectly keep it and fulfill every single part. He never broke any bit of the law. And because Jesus was able to meet 100% of the law's requirements, you guys, he is able to redeem those who were and are under the law. See, he has redeemed us from being slaves, you guys, in bondage to the law, to now being sons. To now being sons. We get to have this amazing, sons or daughters, yes, I should add that. Sorry, ladies. We talked about that last night. When we say sons, just imagine that I also said daughters if I don't say daughters. But you get the idea. We're no longer slaves, you guys. We are now sons. And we're going to continue to talk about that later on tonight. But Jesus, you guys, being born under the law, he has the right. Because he fulfilled the law, he has the right to bring us into adoption as sons because he never broke the law. And he did not deserve the punishment that we deserve for breaking the law. And yet he bore it for us on the cross on our behalf. Galatians 3, verse 13 through 14. I know these are a lot of verses. Just jot down the references I would recommend. Don't write down the whole verse. You won't get it all in time. But it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, you guys, we learned that he became a curse for us because of our sin. I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. I don't think it's up there, but jot down that reference. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For he, being God, made him, referring to Jesus, for God made Jesus who knew no sin, meaning Jesus was perfect, he, was ne he never committed any sins. He was 
the innocent lamb of God, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That was 2 Corinthians 5.21. And I want you guys to, maybe you have to turn a page, but we're going to go now to Romans 8.1. You should probably still be there. I didn't tell you to turn anywhere yet. So you should still be there in Romans 8.1. It's also on the screen. But look with me at Romans 8.1, you guys. And I, I love the way it's said here. It says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation. Everybody say, no condemnation. No condemnation for who? To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is, excuse me, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Man, I love that. But how did God do this? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning Jesus became a human on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So now we're no longer held to the bondage that the law brings you guys, but we are adopted as sons and daughters as of God. And what the law was unable to do, you guys, I love this. What the law, it says in Romans 8, one or eight one through four somewhere in there verse two says that what the that's actually verse three my bad what the law could not do god did and what was that it was save the law could not save but god did it and how did god do it you guys through jesus through jesus coming fulfilling the law and dying on the cross as the innocent lamb of god in our place God did this through Jesus. I love how David Guzik says, he says, the law is fulfilled in us in regards to obedience because of Jesus' righteousness standing for ours. The law is fulfilled in us in regard to punishment because any punishment demanded by the law was poured out upon who? It was poured out upon Jesus when he died on the cross. Romans 7, 6 says this, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I am thankful that I serve God as a son of God, not as a slave. He adopted me from being a slave. See, something that the law could not do, you guys, is usher us into a father-son, father-daughter relationship with God. But Jesus ushered us into that relationship because of his death upon the cross. We have the spirit of adoption because of Jesus. So ultimately, you guys, we've been free from the bondage that the law brings because of Jesus' death in our place. And our final point, you guys, the third element of the, sp uh, the spirit of bondage is sin. 
sin. And I want you to, you should be in Romans 8 in your Bibles. I want you to just turn over to Romans 6. I only had to turn one page in my Bible. Some of you might have to turn one or two. What does Romans 6 say? It says this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be what? What does it say? That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Jump down to verse 16 in your Bibles, or if you're looking to the screen, look to the screen. It says in verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were, everybody say were. Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. We're like, wait, I went from being a slave of sin to being a, another slave? This is a good slave. This is, this is part of being that you know, adopted son is that you live your life for righteousness and the things that please God. And Paul, he clarifies, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. You I mean, I'm just giving you an example of what it is. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members, meaning your bodies, as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And in these verses, you guys, we learn about the, the previous bondage. Notice how I was talking about how we were slaves of sin. I had you say were for a reason. Because before you were adopted, you were a slave of sin. But now you've been adopted from that. You're no longer a slave of sin. Sin was that cruel master that ruled over us before we knew Jesus. But now our master is our loving, our kind, benevolent, good father who loves us. We have a new master who is so good to us, and it's our heavenly father. We've been set free from the bondage that came from being a slave of sin, and now we joyfully consider ourselves slaves of righteousness. Everybody say, I'm a slave of righteousness. You're not a slave of sin anymore. You're a slave of righteousness, and that's the, that's the best life is to be a slave of righteousness because it pleases God. And you guys, I want to say this, it's too, it's too often that I, you know, hear Christians and I, you know, even sometimes in conversations with you guys that we talk about it as though like we're still slaves of sin. Like, oh, I just, you know, I felt powerless. I couldn't, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think so. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're not victims to sin. We can experience victory, not because of us, but because of who? You can experience victory over sin because of Christ, you guys. Our final verse is John 8, 34 through 36, you guys. I want to end here, and I just want us to just really meditate. You guys spent 20 minutes, around 20 minutes, just reading through John 1. 
this morning. We're not going to spend 20 minutes on this verse, but I really want us to, in that same mindset of how we thought through it slowly, I want to think through this verse, these verses slowly. It says in verse 34, John 8, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. That's what we're talking about. We're now sons and daughters of the Most High God. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, everybody say it with me. Say these last words. You shall be free indeed. We're no longer slaves of sin. We're no longer, we're no, excuse me, no longer walking in the spirit of bondage to the fear of death. We're no longer walking in the spirit of bondage to the law and its requirements because Jesus fulfilled it. We're no longer walking in the spirit of bondage as being slaves of sin because we have been adopted by our heavenly father. Guys, I really just hope you, by the end of this week, you can really experience the depth of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. It's, It's the most beautiful thing to be able to say that he is my father and I am his son or I am his daughter for you ladies. And in closing, you guys, worship team, you guys can make your way up. In closing, don't let me lose you here. Stop talking, stop rustling your papers, just leave everything right where you have it. Because we have been adopted as sons and daughters of God, you guys, we've been adopted from the spirit of bondage to fear. We've been freed from the fear of death because as adopted sons and daughters, we recognize that death is no longer something to be feared. But rather, it's like that vehicle that ushers ushers us into the eternal kingdom of heaven where we will get to experience even more of that love that the Father has with us. We will know him in even greater capacity. We've been freed from uh, from being bound by the requirements of the law because Jesus came and he fulfilled all of its requirements. And he bore the punishment of all of the breakers of the law. I got a question for you guys. Who were the breakers of the law? Us. But Jesus fulfilled the law, and we do not walk in bondage to it anymore. And finally, we've been set free from the slavery of sin because we have willingly become, you guys said it, slave of righteousness as God's adopted sons and daughters. And just a reminder, you guys, later tonight, we're going to talk all about the spirit of adoption. But in order for us to really appreciate the spirit of adoption, we got to remember the spirit of bondage that we were adopted from. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not only saving us from eternal punishment, but allowing or having God adopt us as sons and daughters of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that, God, you saw us, all of us once walking in the spirit of bondage, and, God, you chose to send your son to die on the cross, to 
to live a life where he fulfilled the law, where he fulfilled all the requirements, to die on the cross, to bear our punishment that we deserve and redeem us. And God, we now get to experience this relationship that you invite us into where you say, I want to be a father to you, or we are your children. Help us to continue to grow in this relationship this week. We give you this time in Jesus' name.